Welcome back for episode 4 of the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Earl Smith. Like last week, we've got a great interview for you, so I'm not going to take up too much time talking. For show feedback, you can hit me up on Twitter at D1CW for my personal account, at Sudden History for the show. Follow the Sudden History account for early hints of guests and additional information about the interviews. Sudden History can be found on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Be sure to check out some of the other shows on the network as well. I know a lot of you have done it already, but I'm asking you to go to iTunes and subscribe to Sudden History and leave a review for the show. With all of that out of the way, let's get down to the show itself. Our guest was a three-time NCAA qualifier for the Penn Quakers. Over the past few years, he's had more interesting life experiences than most people have had in a lifetime. You can follow along with them on his blog, The Quarter Life Crisis, at www.raleighpeterkin.com. Let's welcome Raleigh Peterkin. Thank you, Earl. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, I'm not going to say anything further. I'm just going to let you talk. Jumping right into it, um, you will likely be the guest who is talking to me from farthest away because you're currently halfway across the world. Explain to us where you're at and what exactly you're doing. Well, I currently live in Madrid, Spain. I uh, am a English teacher, actually, at a at a elementary school here. It's kind of crazy how I got here, though. I guess probably what you are more curious in is over the past year, I was living in Lima, Peru, where I was um, fighting MMA in a promotion down there and training and coaching and wrestling, among other things. Um, and, yeah, it's been a wild few years here. Uh, as you said, you know, I wrestled at Penn and you know, wrestled my whole life, and it's just such a huge part of me, and after college, I, uh, I guess I missed it a little bit, <laughs> and, and I was working in New York for a, uh, Wall Street Bank, and I just always kind of missed it, and when I got the opportunity to go fight in Peru, it was just like the exact opposite of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I figured it was, you know, there's only one one time in your life when you can do something that uh, that crazy. And I was young and didn't have a, a family to support or anything like that, so I I took the opportunity and I uh, got back into uh, I guess competition, not not wrestling per se, but MMA. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you mentioned working on Wall Street. Who did you work for? Um, what what did you do? And then looking from some of your blog entries, you know, this seemed to be a natural progression for you. Uh, you know, something you set out to do from a relatively young age. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was like it was something that I, I wanted. I since I was a kid, I I knew I was going to work on Wall Street. Like um, my my father has worked in the industry for for many years and I just kind of like yeah I was always interested in it and um even like you know those you know those lame things you do as like a senior in high school sometimes you write a letter yourself in the future and you get it sure like I I got one of those like I think when I graduated college or something whatever it was, it was like many years later that I had written to myself from like in I don't know in some class and it was like, it was like, what do you want to be? One of the things, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, uh, like a, a Wall Street trader, <laughs> like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And 
it was always something I was interested in. It was a big reason why I chose to go to the University of Pennsylvania because of the uh, Wharton Business School there. I was always interested in finance, and, um, you know, I studied finance there. And through the network of Penn alumni, which is, like, just amazing, the uh, the network that they have there, and especially through the uh, through the wrestling team, I was able to get internships in college, you know, almost every summer in college. I uh, I worked in New York City for, for different firms, and... Um, and yeah, it was just always something that interested me. And and when I when I finally got my job, I kind of did like a rotational program, and I wound up on a um, on a bond trading desk, trading corporate uh, like investment grade corporate bonds for the Royal Bank of Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, wow. yeah, I mean, it was kind of like it was everything I I ever wanted. Really, it was a, it was a great job. I like. You know, I, I have nothing bad to say about it. I have nothing bad to say about the people I worked with. And it was really everything I ever wanted. <laughs> but yeah, so so you have you have this dream job. I'm sure you're making good money. Um, just how did the vacation to Machu Picchu to visit one of your friends uh, just change it all for you? Um, you know what? Like, I it was like this big moment where I like I kind of. It's hard to say. It was maybe building up for for a while. Like I don't want to say I was unhappy with my job because I wasn't. I, I like I said, I I, I love the, the the people and all that stuff. But there was a sense in me that like like I said before, you know, I missed wrestling a little bit, and there was a sense that I was just like I felt a little cooped up, just sitting at a desk kind of all day, mm-hmm. and you know, I was working long hours, and nothing specifically about the job, but just the sense that I kind of like was a little cooped up like I was like I can't you know I'm not designed to sit at a desk for for this many hours and I have all this like energy and all this stuff and I just kind of like was like a little antsy and I went on a trip to Peru and um I yeah we went to Machu Picchu it was beautiful breathtaking all that stuff that you hear about I mean it's just it's really one of the most amazing things I've ever seen um, and on the last day I was there, I trained with my friend who had an, uh, who, who was an MMA fighter down there at his gym. And, um, and you know, like they don't have the same level of wrestling in South America as they do in the United States. And so they were kind of like, wow, look at that wrestling. Oh my God. You know, cause it's like a, just a division one wrestler in South America, you know, you're kind of at the top tier already. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they gave me, the, the, the coach gave me like an invitation to come down there and train and fight. And they had a, a good training scenario there where they had like a, you know, the gym was like, they had really good funding behind it and really good sponsors and all this stuff. So it, it kind of made sense. And I went back and left my job. It was kind of crazy. I think everyone, I think I to me it like kind of made sense the whole time. Everyone else in my life kind of like freaked out though. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I would have to wonder what your family and friends thought. Yeah, they were not ha- my family. They weren't happy. You know, they're supportive because they're always been supportive of me, and that's that's great. I really appreciate that, and I love them. They're my parents are are the best. They supported me in wrestling and everything. But you know, they weren't happy, 
and a lot of my friends, it was about 50-50. Like, some, some people were like, you're an idiot, you're ruining your life, you know, how could you do this? And then other people were like on the other side, like, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. This is awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it really split people down the middle. But I think as I, as I kind of, when I got down there and I, you know, people saw that I was serious about it, that I was actually training and fighting. I think a lot of people just kind of thought that I was just going to go like mess around in South America and just kind of like chill. Mm -hmm. Um, and that wasn't what I was doing. You know, I was training, I was training, we're training three times a day we, because we were getting paid to train. It was a weird setup where we were like part of this team down there. We had to train, we had like a mandatory schedule and it was, and I fought, um, I fought three times down there professionally and twice amateur. Um, so yeah, so once people started to see that it was, that was actually something I was really doing, uh, you know, they kind of like got jumped on board the ship and were kind of like, oh, this is awesome, this is cool. They were really supportive. Um, you know, when I started writing the blog and everything, getting my story out there. So yeah, it was really cool. I mean, it was, it was an amazing experience. And, um, you know, obviously, obviously, um, I'm incredibly happy that, that I took that first plunge because I can't even imagine my life would be without that. Now, forgive me if you heard this a thousand times, but uh, has anybody said that it sounds like something out of the Fight Club movie? Um, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. just in general, like people are like, oh, yeah, I mean, the, the theme of that movie uh, that's kind of the theme of the movie is that like you know you have the character in the beginning of the movie who's very materialistic who's got all the he talks about his furniture and everything like that and then he's kind of like it goes into this like brutal underground world of of fighting and lets that lets it all out and yeah I mean that is kind of yeah, a little bit of um, a little bit of how I felt about it. So you left for Peru to train and compete in MMA. Have you had you previously trained in MMA, and did you have any experience with the various disciplines aside from wrestling? I had not. So I, I had done like a little jujitsu before, um, like very minimal jujitsu, and no, I had no like I'd never, I'd never put on a pair of boxing gloves before I started. And actually, mm -hmm. it was crazy. I got down to Peru and I fought my first amateur fight. 21 days later so wow. he just were like that was kind of the attitude down there like it, peru is, is different from from the united states they're just kind of there's a no excuses no 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 just tough it out and just go out there and figure it out and you know i i, I like i'm kind of grateful for that but it was you know terrifying at first um mm -hmm. but uh yeah so yeah i did a little jujitsu um, and actually, the funny thing is, like, MMA was something, like, it's, like, the last thing I would have thought of doing. Like, I remember, like, watching UFC, you know, in college, we'd go watch the, the big fights, the Randy Couture's and Chuck Liddell's and all that stuff. And I just always remember watching it and just thinking, like, this is horrific. This is not something I would ever want to do. Like, I, like, I literally, I've said that. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe people do this. I, I could never do this. And it was like a little bit that voice in my head kind of that said, you can't do this. That was kind of what made me want to do it a little bit. Um, just like it was like a, a challenge or something. It was 
it was something out there that, you know, I kind of almost didn't believe that I could do, and so I had to prove it to myself a little bit. And you would mention no excuses, and you say in your blog a lot about jumping into the deep end. Um, did you have struggles socially because you just kind of jumped into the deep end with the Peruvian culture, and did you have experience speaking Spanish? Yeah, uh, that was a big thing. That was, um, you know, I'd studied Spanish in, in high school, um, but, you know, I don't, I mean, like in the United States, you know, language is not like a very serious thing. I kind of studied, I knew like a few words or whatever, but I didn't study in college. And so, yeah, when I got down there, I was like, I couldn't speak with anyone. You know, I was like, hola, como estas? <laughs> um, but I was, you know, there's something to be said about like, I think a lot of people go do like these abroad programs to learn a language or whatever it is. And you go or you go live abroad and you kind of just hang out with Americans the whole time. Like I have, a, I live in Spain now and I have a lot of American friends that like only hang out with American people, only speak in Spanish, in English rather, and don't really learn anything. When I was in Peru, I was like, you know, all my friends down there were my teammates were MMA fighters like that. You know, only two of them, only two people in the entire gym spoke English. And mm-hmm. I lived in the back of a gym, in the back of the gym, um, like they had bunk beds, like these like barracks in the back of the gym. I lived back there for two months, you know, I was like really, really immersed. So I had to kind of learn quickly. And um, yeah, I mean, I still, I'm not like saying I'm fluent or anything like that. Definitely not. There's still a lot of things mm-hmm. I don't know, but um, you know, especially I've been here in Spain for five months now, so so yeah. And in, in the, on the whole, that's been a big thing for me. It's been really interesting. It's been a whole other journey. Like aside from this, there's the, the the language thing, and I think it's something that I use to counter some of the people that say like, "Oh, you're wasting your life" or whatever. You know, I have a lot of these friends, professionals from from New York or whatever, and they're like, get serious with your life or something, and it's like, you know what, like, I I have learned a whole other language during this time, like, it's a big, that's a a big, like, resume kind of thing, Mm -hmm. Um, and, I mean, it's, I've I've improved in in so many different ways and experienced so much of the world, and I, I really wouldn't trade that for anything. So when you were in Peru, were there any moments where you felt like, man, maybe I made the wrong decision or had the urge to go back? Um, you know what? They were like, not really, actually. It was kind of crazy. I really, once I just set my mind that I was moving to Peru, I didn't have, like I said, other people freaked out a lot. And I just kind of was like, no, nah, that's what I'm doing. This is it. And I didn't, the, I mean, I guess the only time when, when I had those kind of moments of doubt was like, right before an MMA fight because I would get so nervous and and scared really and I, I think that's in that I mean I'm not I don't think like, any more nervous or scared than anyone else gets in an MMA, MMA fight it's just a, a scary thing really and I think you get these moments of doubt with these kind of like oh oh crap what did I do um what did I get myself into kind of moments so yeah I mean I had some of those like but it was real, really temporary thing. I mean, on the whole, um, you know, I, I loved it down there. And 
Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe towards the end, it was there were some certain things that were frustrating, but no, I mean, I never doubted the the initial decision to come down there. And so, what brought you to Spain? And while you're in Spain, are you training MMA? Um, I'm actually. We'll, we'll probably explain. So, um, oh, it's a long story. I'm sure if you've read my blog, you, you read this blog post. Uh, I had a British girlfriend. I came over to England. I was thinking about moving to England. Didn't work out. Um, I came down to Spain and just fell in love with the country. And I heard about a program that hires English teachers here. And mm-hmm. I applied and got accepted. So, came here. Um, and about MMA or wrestling, I train at a gym here with with MMA guys. Uh, I don't do, like, MMA. I don't do the boxing kind of components. I wrestle and I do jiu-jitsu a little bit. Um, and I actually found there's a uh, – they have, like, the equivalent of, like, the Olympic Training Center mm-hmm. in Madrid. But the Spain, the Spanish thing is called the, the card, the Centro de Alto Rendimiento, like the center of high performance. And um, so I trained with the Spanish national team, and it's re- it's really cool. I mean, the level's not not like the United States. I hope they don't listen to this, but uh, <laughs> um, it's but it's great. It's a great facility. It's like it, it kind of really like brought me back to like the the wrestling rooms I grew up in, and there's like a sauna there, steam room, all this stuff. It's a really good facility, and so I was training with them, and I started training a lot for a while and I they were going to a tournament in Barcelona and invited me to come and I'm like yeah of course <laughs> so I went with them to a tournament in Barcelona like a, a I guess it was like a month and a half ago and I you know I didn't train as much as I should have and it showed and um mm-hmm. I I got third place I lost to a uh, a Armenian guy I was, I was in the semifinals. I was, I was beating him pretty badly, and then my gas tank just gave out because I'm not, uh, like I said, I'm not really training full time here. Um, but it was really fun. I just love that. That's kind of the whole like point of this whole thing is that you know, like I think that's really cool that I can just go for the weekend and wrestle in a tournament in Barcelona, like easily. And so I, I get like a little bit of everything that I kind of wanted in my life. Like, you know, a little wrestling. It's not high, It's not pressure. I'm not, like, competing to try to make the world team here or anything like that. Um, but then I have to travel. I just, it's in, it's a live in Spain um, and wrestle in tournament in Barcelona. I think that that was really cool. So I uh, I hurt my shoulder a little bit at that tournament, and that's why I haven't really been wrestling that much since then. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's fun. I'm I'm 28 years old now, so I'm still you know wrestling for fun at this point. Yeah, yeah, you're in your prime. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you've documented your experiences from your travels for a book. Looking through the blog, there was a uh, spreadsheets. Uh, they're amazing. <laughs> Did you actually read that? Uh, I, I don't like, think anyone's actually read that yeah. whole blog post. Yeah, I mean, some of it kind of <laughs> was going over my head, but. Uh, you know what? What's uh, the status of the book? Um, it's it's basically done. It's like uh, it's been edited professionally, and it should be out. I'm I'm thinking in the next month or two. I gotta I gotta get some oh, things oh, squared away. Great. I've had the cover designed and all this stuff, 
and uh yeah it's been that's been a like a incredibly fun process i've really enjoyed every minute of that too um you know like it's so clarifying to put your thoughts and your your story onto onto paper and i've enjoyed that from my blog and i kind of just got the the bug and just started writing one day and it's uh it's really fun it's been like a fun process it's taught me a lot and you know i i hope that people read it i think i have a lot of crazy stories in fact my craziest stories i never even put up on my blog because i wrote them in my (laughs) book um okay and actually by far my craziest stories um and yeah like i you know i don't if, if i hope people read it if no one reads it though you know what like i had fun writing it and so it's been uh it's um, been a very informative process so do you have another area of the world that you plan to travel to or reside in everywhere um no i i don't know i i have i'm kind of a person that's always full of ideas i have 50 ideas in my head about places I could live. I think I'll probably live in Spain for another year after this um, because it's a good situation with the job I have and all that. But uh, who knows from there? You know, that's one of the things I, I – this is something I repeat all the time and I'm happy to repeat it more is that, like, I I spent my whole life – like I was telling you before, I spent my whole life kind of with a plan, um, you know, get into a good school, go to, get a good job – this and that and like that's one of the big things about this is kind of letting go of that plan and just seeing what happens seeing where where it takes me like i never would have been able to protect predict a year ago that i would have been in spain it wasn't something that i even well yeah i always i was wanted to visit spain but it just wasn't something that i could have conceived at the time so um yeah i don't, I don't know like i'd like to go to asia <laughs> who knows mm-hmm but I, I don't know. I don't, um, so I don't plan on really moving back to the United States anytime soon. I really like this this life, this adventure. It's kind of every day is fun. There's something, even if I'm just walking around doing nothing, it's a fun day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to circle back to your wrestling career mm-hmm. for a while. Um, you're from Massachusetts, not necessarily one of the hotbeds no, no. for you know, big-time wrestling talent. Uh, as a young wrestler, you know, who did you train with, and how did you get to the level of being a – cadet junior national champion in freestyle and then you know your success in folk style um okay so yeah massachusetts was it was um tough there's they're definitely good guys but it's it's it doesn't have the depth of a a lot of other states um when i was young we used to my dad used to drive me down to new jersey pennsylvania to wrestle at tournaments and um actually the biggest probably the biggest thing that happened though was um Kemble Cross who you obviously know Olympic gold medalist um was became an assistant coach at Harvard which is right down the street from me mm-hmm. and yeah. I used to train with him for years I mean that was like it was just the luckiest thing it just kind of like fell there and um you know definitely the 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 winning the cadets and juniors was like I mean like a hundred percent his, his instruction mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah so i was lucky lucky as hell there he uh he taught me so much stuff and um you know it just being able to work with a world-class guy like that from a young age was really uh invaluable and 
yeah, I mean, it helped me it bring me to the next level. And then when I became a junior in high school, I uh, I'd kind of done everything I could do in Massachusetts. I won states a few times, and and I won the New England tournament. And it was just kind of like I needed to get to the next level, so I went to Blair for two years. And that was, you know, that was amazing too. That I mean, you're, every day you're wrestling in the wrestling room with guys that are just killers. I mean, you had the team we had back then was just amazing. We beat, we were the number one team in the country. You um, guys like Kellen Russell, Kellen Russell, mm-hmm. who you know is a two-time NCAA champion, Fargo champion. He was not varsity my first year. Yeah, he was not varsity. He couldn't beat. He lost in the wrestle-off twice to Max Shanneman. And uh, he couldn't go up or down a weight because he couldn't beat those guys either. And and this is not the Kellen Russell's a a beast. I mean, like that's just how good the team yeah. was. And that summer he went and he won Fargo. So we had a Blair had the J like a JV guy win Fargo. It was just it was like an, amazing. Um, <laughs> I, I'm that, like I said, I don't. <laughs> Kellen is a beast. He's a good friend of mine. He's he's an amazing wrestler. Um. Really, really talented guy. Probably, I think probably the most talented collegiate wrestler from that team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the opportunity to event, attend the Ivy League school and the Wharton school sort of speaks for itself. But from a wrestling standpoint, what drew you to Penn? Um, you know, I uh, I'll tell you what. Matt Valenti was there. He was uh, I remember mm-hmm. on a recruiting visit. You know, he had just won the national. Or let's see. When I committed, I don't think he had won the Nationals yet. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so he hadn't won the Nationals yet, but, you know, he had been a returning All-American. He was around my weight, and he's just a, a tough dude, two-time NCAA champion, like, amazing guy, good friend, mentor, everything like that. And um, so that was a big thing. You know, I, I said, you know, if they can produce a guy like Matt Valeni, then I could be a champion here, too. You know, I was wrong. I, I wasn't a champion, but, uh, but it was the that was kind of the idea. So, yeah. And I didn't realize until I read your blog you were actually off the team for a period of time your freshman year. You know what brought that about, and why'd you return? Uh, a lot of things. Um, so just me, just being a mess my freshman year. You know, I was drinking a lot, and um, I didn't really. I, I wasn't a starter my freshman year. I lost in the wrestle-off to a guy named Matt Eveleth, who's a really talented mm-hmm. guy and one of my best friends. But, uh, yeah, so I, he was a senior. I was a freshman. And um, I lost in overtime or something, I don't know, whatever, one-point match, close, close match. And so I wasn't starting, and I was kind of – it had been the first time in my life when I wasn't a starter on a team. And so not having that kind of guidance in the wrestling season, it was like wrestling season, I didn't have to, like – go to tournaments and do all this stuff. And I wrestled some matches and open tournaments and stuff like that. But I think, and it was just kind of new to college. I was just kind of a mess. And, um, and you know, among other things, I got in a little argument with some people. And <laughs> and uh, I, I left the team. And I, I, mm-hmm. at the time, I was like, that's it. I'm done wrestling. And I, I came back like a few months later and I was like, I mean, cause I, I just can't, it's like wrestling is so much a part of me. Like I, I can't even like imagine not wrestling, but, uh, but yeah, that was just, that was me being a mess at the time. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, as a sophomore in 2008, you won your only EIWA title, finishing the round of 12, losing to James Nicholson mm-hmm. of uh, Old Dominion and Sudden Victory. I imagine that had to be a horrible way to end the season, but having two years left and finishing in the round of 12, you know, are you feeling optimistic? Like, I, I got two oh. more years to get on the podium. I can compete for a title. Now you're, now you're really, really turning my heart screws here. Um, no, obviously um, – yeah, that was a that was a tough one. Because, um, like I said, you know, I had had a, a tough freshman year, and I was kind of rebounding. I was doing everything right my sophomore year. I was like, that's it. I'm I'm gonna win. I'm gonna all American this year. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And yeah, I came about as close as you can get. I was in the round of twelve. I was winning the whole match by like two two points, three four points or something like that, and gave up kind of like a last second takedown to send it to overtime. And then I lost in overtime. And, yeah, it was heartbreaking. That was really tough. Um, but, yeah, there was definitely this, like, I, you know, I, I don't think it's funny. Like, in hindsight, it seems like I should have had this, like, okay, well, I got two more years to do it kind of attitude. But I was just more just, like, pissed that I lost. And I didn't, didn't even think about it. I was, like, real upset about that for a while. Um, and then, yeah, the next two years, I don't know if those are, those, that's your next question coming. Uh, yeah, okay. I, re- I really don't want to twist. No, no, go with... ahead. Let's talk about it. Therapy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so the the, <laughs> the uh, jumping ahead two seasons to uh, 2011 with Nationals in yep. Philly, round of 12, third straight season. You got Scott Sentius from Central who Michigan. Who I lost to beat two years before in 2009. Yeah. He, he ends your career with a fall. Talk about you know that match, the feelings afterwards, well, and just how you know that what? may haunt that you. That was not even the most significant match of that tournament for me. I wrestled this guy first round my senior year. So it was my senior year. I was like, this is it. It's it's go time. I, I have to All-American. It was my dream. I was like, I'm going to do it. And um, the very first round of the tournament, I wrestled a guy from, I don't even know. You might know. It's some random school. Uh, I don't even know. Flint, I believe Flint Ray from Utah yeah, Valley. Okay, I, I didn't even know his name or his school. Like, and I was just uh-huh. I went out there. And I just kind of was looking past the match to be honest, and I was beating him by three points. I think this is another a theme, I guess, when we talk about the Nicholson matches, same thing. But I was beating him by, and there was like thirty, forty seconds to go, and I shot in, and he cradled me and put me in my back to get the the five points there, and I just watched the minutes ticked away on my back, and I was like. I don't know if I can curse on this, so I won't curse, but but I want to <laughs> oh. curse. Um, <laughs> go go <laughs> no, ahead. No, me cool. too. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, so that was, to me, and then so I, I lost the first match. It was my senior year, and it was like now the whole tournament has changed. Now I have to wrestle back. And, you know, you always hear those stories about the guy that loses first round and wrestles like eight matches to get back and get third or something like that. And it's crazy. It was mm-hmm. daunting, and I knew that, like, it really felt like a life-or-death thing. Like, I've never felt that kind of feeling before since. It was a weird... It's like everything in your life comes down to this... Because I, it, for for 15... How many years I wrestled? For 17 years, it was like... This is what I was training for, you know? And this is potentially my last tournament. It's like, this is it. It's like eight mile. Like, you only get one shot. Um, and so, yeah, so every match then was a... Was a Every match after that was a do-or-die match. You know, it was like get eliminated or win the match. And I wrestled all the way back to round of 12. And, I, you know, I was facing Scotty Santes, who's, you know, a great wrestler. 
I've, you know, I've, I, I don't really know him, but I've interacted with him a little bit. Seems like a nice guy. Um, and yeah, he had beaten me two years before in the same round in the round of 12. And I was just same thing. I was just like, I have to do this. I have to win this. I have to win this. And he, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even really think about that match that much. I, I try not to, but, uh, yeah, he, he locked me up in a cradle. I think it was another cradle. I guess I'm, there's a, now that I'm, I've finished my wrestling career, I, I can start working on the fact that I'm susceptible to cradles. Um, <laughs> I think it was a cradle. He's got, he's a really, he's like six feet tall and a 133 yeah. pounder. So he's got those long arms. And, uh, yeah, it pinned me in the uh, second round. And yeah, I was, I was devastated. I cried for, for a long time after that match. It was really, it was it was devastating to me. I mean, that was it. It was you know what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a an NCAA All American, and uh, it's kind of like any, I think any wrestler that's chased a dream like that and, and at any level can can sympathize with that. Not only just losing it, but then you know it was that's the end of my career too. So it was uh it was upsetting, yeah. And looking at your collegiate career as a whole, you had a really good one. You had three trips to nationals. You were seed in the top ten each time. Um, at that point in time, I was doing college rankings, and I feel like you're pretty consistently in the top five to twelve range of the rankings. If only that counted. Looking at yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if only you could give me a medal for that. <laughs> it's it's in the mail. I, I will say this one thing actually that I, I did that I am kind of proud that I can hang my hat on when I think about it is during my I took a year off in between there, and I, you know, I was training but I wasn't training like college room level, and I went out to the U.S. Open, mm-hmm. and I got eighth. So. I was an All-American at a tough tournament during college, so if that, you know, <laughs> sometimes uh-huh. I, I try to take comfort in that. But and I, I was going to ask you that next is is there a, is that the moment that you would be most proud of from your wrestling career? That, um, yeah, or the achievement or memory that uh, you have. Let's see. I don't know. It's the most. Uh, you know, there's probably some goofy high school, high school from Massachusetts <laughs> things that were kind of cool that, to me, were were like, were fun. Like when I was a freshman in high school, I weighed like 88 pounds. I was tiny, and there's no 96 pound weight class in Massachusetts. It was like 103, so I was kind of like, mm-hmm. I came in and no one had heard of me, and slowly I started chipping off these guys, like. These, these ranked guys in the state, and it's uh, Massachusetts, like we were saying before, but, uh, I, like, it was, like, every match I went into that year, I was this underdog, and it was, like, this tiny little guy versus this, you know, someone who's cutting down from, like, a higher weight to get to 103, and I'm giving up, like, 20 pounds every match, it's like, like, literally, like, a quarter of my body weight, <laughs> and it was just really fun, it was, like, a fun, I'm, like, really proud of a lot of those weird matches, um, Kind of like when I don't know when I think about like the the happiest funnest times of wrestling, I kind of think about those things. But uh, yeah, and Fargo, all that stuff. Um, at this point, are you able to look back and say, man, if I would have only known this or done this better, you know, I I probably could have had more success overall. I don't know. You never. It's so hard to say stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, 
you know, we're all doing the best we can at any given time. And, yeah, I've made a ton of mistakes, but, yeah, it's, like, cliche to say, but I think it's true. It's, like, if I could do it again, I, I wouldn't have done it any different. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of – it's just how the, how things play out. And, you try, like I said, you try your best, and that's all you can really do. <laughs> Um, so, so you said earlier you don't necessarily have a plan and you kind of like it that way, but could you see yourself coming back to New York and Wall Street at some point in time? I don't want to rule it out. Like I, I, I could, I, I could do that, um, but I don't see that in the immediate future. It's always something there. It's something that I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about. You know, I told you I, I know I'm like a finance nerd. Once in a while, like. In my new life here, I don't really talk about finance ever. It's not like a thing that I converse about with people daily. And I think it's crazy. People, when you live in New York, that's all you ever, you know, it's, hi, what do you do? Oh, you're in banking. Oh, accounting. What, what type of accounting? Isn't that just like all the conversations you have. Um, mm-hmm. And when you're in that bubble in New York, you don't even realize that that's not how everyone else is. Um, and, yeah, there, I mean, there'll be months when I don't even – say a word about finance to anyone and it's kind of like refreshing i met a girl the other day who was uh worked in banking here and it was kind of like i got like all nerdy about it again i was like oh yeah oh you structure deals oh you do modeling cool yeah tell me about that um so it's like a rarity for me to to even, Mm -hmm. even talk about it um but yeah like i'm it's something i'm i'm interested in and I don't know, I wouldn't roll it out, but I don't, I don't see it in the immediate future. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the best thing that's come from you making this change in your life? Something you've learned, experienced, learned about yourself? Uh, oh my God, so many things. I, I don't even know where to start. Like, I think that um, just a a general sense of. You know that, like, saying about, like, the more you know, the more you know that you don't know, that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. I, I feel that way about, like, the world a little bit now. Like, the more I see of the world, the more that I'm just like, wow, I had no idea before. And I still have no idea, but now I'm aware of it. Um, uh-huh. I think as Americans, and specifically, like I said, there's this New York bubble where you just kind of like, New York is the greatest city ever, this is it, this is the only thing... This is the whole world, kind of. And, you know, there's just so many different cultures that do things so many different ways, and not not better or worse, just, like, so many different things. And I've met these the most amazing people. Um, and, yeah, the friendships I've gotten out of this and just the, the different things I've learned and different ways of life has been really, really valuable and rewarding to me. And, again, from... Looking at your blog, I can tell you're someone that enjoys reading. Yes. You know, I like to read, but I generally gravitate towards sports biographies uh-huh. and things like that. Um, what are some books that you would recommend, regardless of genre, that would just blow me away and open my mind? Well, up? you know, I just read a book uh, very recently, actually. Well, so I re- I wrote a book about my MMA experience, and I try not to read too many other books about MMA while I was writing that because I didn't want to, like, I don't know, I just didn't want to, like confuse them but after i finished the, the writing i read a few mma books and i read uh the professor in the cage i don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. of it but this guy is a uh, is a collegiate professor in um 
in Pennsylvania and went and studied MMA and did actually took a fight and um, it's a really well written book and there's a lot of like very interesting research. Uh, his analysis is just really awesome about how um, like what drives us to fight and like the kind of like evolutionary reasons on why we take risks and, and get in the cage and by a guy named um, Jonathan. I'm gonna pronounce his last name wrong, but it's, it's Goschel. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really good. If you're into sports books, um, and let's see, sports biographies. Um, oh no, just just anything in okay. general. It doesn't have to. Well, be. one of my yeah, I, I've written about this on my blog, but one of my favorite all-time favorite books is called The Thirty Three Strategies of War uh, by Robert mm-hmm. Greene, and it's just an amazing book. It's a book to live your life by um, about you know, warfare strategies, like, you know, it's like an expanded version of the art of war with very modern examples and tactics and strategies, and it's just something I've always really enjoyed. Okay, well, that's all I have for you. Is there anything you'd like to plug or anything you want people to know about you? No, no, I mean, you, we we covered it all there. I uh, feel like I I talked too much almost. Um, oh no, not at all. Not no, at all. It was, uh, people would rather hear you talk than me. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, uh, I appreciate the, uh, the conversation, and yeah, no, I don't, I don't have anything to plug. I mean, my book when it, it'll, I, I don't have like any details on the, the date it'll come out or anything yet. But when I do, I will, you know, shoot them to you and and uh, go from there. Okay, sounds good. The blog is at www.raleighpeterkin.com. Big thank you to Raleigh Peterkin for coming on Sudden History. Take care. Thank you very much.